Welcome, everybody. Oh, my gosh. We're going to have so much fun today. We just had a whole lot of fun last hour with Manson Mitchell, and we're going to be on this hour with me, Eileen Grimes, astrologer, your host. And this is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And so this is just going to be fun today. We don't do that this often, but we like to as at least as much as we can afford to do it. So anyway, um, today we have on as the Celebrity of the Week. You probably have figured that out already, but we're doing Prince Philip, whose, whose funeral was this morning in England. And uh, we're going to look at his chart a little bit and see what was what was going on in his chart when he was born. And it was very, very interesting. A lot of surprises I found. Tons of surprises. So anyway, um, yeah, and then we're going to be talking more with Manson Mitchell. I'm going to talk a lot about what they're doing with their show now and what kind of people they have met and also some of the celebrities they've had. We're going to talk about that, probably some stories around that. That'll be fun. So and Gary and, and Suzanne are very good friends of mine. They basically got me on this show, radio show, because of them. So it's we kind of, I don't know if we owe each other, but we just feel like it's, it's a, a good marriage. So we do enjoy each other. So anyway, so, okay. We're going to take a break right now really quick. And then when we come back, we're going to be having the Astro Celebrity of the Week. This is Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 AM. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. And welcome back to the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And now it's time for Astro Celebrity of the Week. Okay. All right. We have Mr. or <laughs> Mr. No, he's not Mr. His Royal Highness. Mr. I can't wanted to call him Mr. Stop it, Eileen. Anyway, um, he is Prince Philip, and he died last Saturday at the age of 99. He did say he did not want to live to when he got to be 100. He couldn't stand that idea. So obviously he made sure that he didn't. So anyway, his birth date is June 10th, 1921, and he's born at 10 a.m., uh, and that's in Central European daylight time. He's born in Monrepos, in Greece. He was born in Greece. He was basically Greece and Danish at the same time. So his chart, let me just go through some basics first. Um, I had a hard time getting it run up because I kept running the wrong time on him. Oh, well, this happens with this Neptune transit. I'm going through. Everything is off kilter. Anyway, so he's born with, he has sun in Gemini, okay, next to Mars. So he's very assertive, very assertive with people. And then he also has Leo rising and Leo moon. And he has Leo moon right on the other side of the line. So he's basically kind of kept his feelings quiet. And he also has Neptune next to the moon. So he was a dreamer, you know, and he 
he was very proud of himself with his intellectual capabilities, and he did all that. And, but the thing that is most interesting in his chart, and this is something I found yesterday, I just was stunned to realize this, was that he has a stationary Uranus in his chart. I thought, wow, you know, okay, so how did that play in his life? I just sort of think of, back about it through his life. And basically, he stood behind Pr- Queen Elizabeth. That was the law. He had to stand, go about five paces behind her when he was walking with her. Okay, he assumed the subordinate position to her because she was the ruling monarch, you know. And <clears throat> I thought, well, a ruling, okay. And also, she has Uranus in the seventh house. So that means something about his relationship with his partner, you know, would have changed everything. And I, I'm not really sure the whole story. It seemed like it was a love match made in heaven. But, you know, he met her when she was very young at 14 and he was 18. And um, it, it kind of went on from there and he courted each other. They wrote to each other a lot. And then eventually um, he married her and. He basically, what he did is he gave up all of his, his lineage, his Danish and his, uh, his uh, Greek lineage. He gave that up when he signed on to be a British citizen, to be the support person to Queen Elizabeth. That was everything, you know. And I keep thinking about what that meant for him in the astrological way with the stationary Uranus. You know, stationary Uranus means you give up whatever you need to give up to be something else, you know. And this means, uh, for him, it meant giving up his whole lineage as a family and as a countryman in Greece to become the royal, basically the royal, whatever you call it, because there's a name for it, but to be the support person of the queen. You know, he gave that up, and that really was about love, I think, really was. So, but his, his, the standing that he took with his Uranus was that the way he rebelled against society was to rebel against his own lineage and move into something else. Now, that wouldn't have been that in, obvious, but, you know, I still, okay, I just want to tell everybody, I'm still trying to figure this out. Because usually when you have a stationary Uranus, you are rebelling against something pretty large. Something, you know, family stuff, whatever. I have a stationary Uranus, so I kind of, you know, rebelled against almost everything when I grew up. I wasn't that much of a rebel. I was a very, I, you know, I, I paid attention to what I was doing. I was very, very subtle. But um, I did sort of break away from of the normal type of uh, expectation from a parent to be in a well-known career. And I decided to go into astrology. I'm sorry, but I had to do that. And that was basically the Uranus thing for me. But it's, it was different for him because I think what it said for him is that he was willing to give it up. The bigger, bigger story was to give it up for love and give it up to be the support, to be behind her, to give her emotion, spiritual, intellectual support. You know, and he was very intelligent and all that kind of stuff. So we know that he he did a very good job with that. But he basically gave up those natural qualities of Uranus to become more conformed with the rule of the the monarch. And monarchy is very, very conservative, you know, and he would have been kind of liberal. So it would be sort of giving that up to become a part of the mainstream. You know, and so that's sort of a reverse of the normal type of Uranus stationary. 
It would be going the other way, giving up conservatism to go for, you know, something that's a little bit more liberal. But he went the other way, you know. And I think he was kind of hot-tempered from at time to time, but he did, ha- did have the uh, Mars conjunct his son, so that made him a little bit testy. Yes, it would have. And he also had a very strong need to, co- his communication wise was a Pluto, and, or no, Mercury and Pluto together. There's a very strong, very strong mind and very, very um, opinionated about things. But his Mercury, his Moon-Neptune conjunction, I'm glad it didn't end up with a drugs, taking drugs or alcohol. It didn't. He was fairly strong, very strong. And it's sort of like the bigger picture of his chart really did show that he was supposed to be in, in a larger perspective. So, I mean, if you look at this chart, Uranus is in the 7th, and it rules the 7th. Aquarius is on the 7th house. And he also had an 11th house Sun and Mars and Pluto and, and Mercury. And the 11th house is the natural house for Aquarius and Uranus. So there's really a lot of Aquarian energy in him, but I think he chose a little bit different, you know, I, I, I think it maybe is knowing that you have a choice. You know, you have a choice. Some people don't feel like they have a choice. So maybe that would have been the freedom thing that broke away from him, his own personal background, to know that he could make up his own mind. So anyway, yeah, I mean, he's just a really interesting man. He had a Jupiter-Saturn down in the second house. That's tough. I believe his son also have Saturn in the second house. So there'd be issues around the father. The second house is about self-worth, and the self-worth regarding, I don't think he knew his father. I don't think he did. So it's hard finding that particular part of himself through a, a father that will give you a good structure to base your whole life on. So, you know, and that could be, and that's how Char- uh, Charles had it, had the same thing with him being his father. So that was being passed down through his father to Charles. You know, there's a sense of not feeling as good as you need to feel about yourself. So anyway, it, it's just... Um, it's just really interesting. I didn't expect to see his chart like this. I really didn't. I would have liked to have seen that moon Neptune a lot more. A much more a compassionate, gentle person, which I think was behind the scenes, obviously. Twelfth house is very much we stuff we never see on the surface. It's stuff that is hidden from all of us. So anyway, yeah, it's just a really um, amazing. And his Venus right at the top of the chart, very close to it, at Venus at five Taurus. And he's recently had Uranus transit over that, plus over the midheaven. So that was, to me, saying, I'm leaving. I'll see you guys later. He just kind of walked out the door. And as a matter of fact, Sophie, his daughter-in-law, said that he just sort of felt like he just stepped out of the room, being led by hand. And it was very quiet and very gentle when he passed. I think that was very, very sweet. you know. And he, he will be a force to be reckoned with, and it will be somebody we really, really miss in the grand total of things. So anyway, let's take another break right now. When we get back here, we're going to bring on the famous Manson Mitchell. Oh boy. Okay. So this is a Jupiter rising show right here on KKNW alternative talk radio.
This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Anti-Icky-Poo, the product that gets the stink out, we cover the world of animals. This week, April 18th, it's Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me, and talk with your animals or human loved ones on this side or the other, and personal awareness coaching with Natasha Venter. We'll have open phone lines, so plan to give us a call with your questions or a free reading with Natasha. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And now let's bring out this famous Joe, which you just heard the hour before, but what the heck. Manson Mitchell, welcome to the show. And these guys have been on the show for 15 years, okay? They've been on this station for 15 years. It's amazing. And like I said, I got my start here with them, but um, they are fabulous. Gary, I met when he was a producer on the Lou Pate show on Cairo News Radio years and years ago. And I met him that way, and he was awesome, and we connected via my book. And Suzanne is his partner, and they're just wonderful people. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, I'm yeah. glad. Yes, you were glad just... to still be here. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say <laughs> it's a continuation. Yes. Anyway, so let's talk about you guys. Um, you know, you have a really interesting background and you've probably met, you know, in the process of doing this show, a lot of people that you may not have ever met. Is that true? Oh, I'm sure that is quite true. Um, we have been introduced to a lot of very interesting people. And because of being on radio, we have we've talked to and met so many experts in in such a diverse number of fields. And, you know, we wouldn't have done that without radio. We've, yeah. we've made radio friends. We've made people friends that we've talked to repeatedly. And many of them we've never seen in person. And a few of them we have. That's right. Yeah. And in particular, I'm thinking about the interviews we did and thoroughly enjoyed with Loretta Swit. Okay. I live Hulahan. Yeah. And she came to Sarasota for a book signing. We met her. Yeah. And so we got a chance to meet her. And I think we remarked at the time and many times since that there are so many people, some more famous than others, but nevertheless, people whom we respect and whose company on air we enjoyed a great deal that we have yet to meet. And I'm sure, Suzanne, that we won't get to meet all of them, but I'd like to pick up the average a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Our our show has kind of morphed uh, yeah. since we first Let's started. Let's talk about that. Yeah, how, yeah. where it started when, and where it is now. When, when the, the microphone first went on, we were on Tuesdays at noon with a show called Give and Take with Gary Mance. And I was helping to produce that show. And we did that starting in March of 2007. And then uh, eventually we ended up moving from Tuesday afternoon to Sunday night. And we were on so late, we decided we were actually on too late for much of an audience. So then we, we came on earlier on Sunday. Then we went to Saturday. Then we added Friday. And so we've had these these various time slots that we were in until we really settled in to Friday and Saturday mornings. We also changed our focus along the way. We uh, we used to do in our early years, we did a lot of UFOs. Mm -hmm. We we talked to people about, um, you know, extraterrestrials. We got into a lot of paranormal 
and um, and then just like where our interests were changed and then the format of the show changed to match our interests. There are some things we've just never been interested in. And so, you know, we don't touch those, but eventually um, as we just keep changing, it seems like what has happened in the last few years is that we have been introduced to some celebrities and we've said, oh, well, that would be interesting, especially since, you know, some of them are aging, baby boomer types. We interviewed Rip Taylor and he, you know, has passed on since we interviewed him. We interviewed him when he had a terrible cold one day. Oh, and wow. he soldiered on, yeah. he insisted on fulfilling his obligation, wow. his commitment to the interview. I had endless respect for him because I mean, he was just, you know, he had to approve considerably just to die. <laughs> and, and yet he insisted on, on completing the full hour interview. And I thought, wow, now there is a professional entertainer. Right, exactly. Right. And he's so he was hysterically funny. Oh, he was. He was. Yeah. And and so we figured, you know, for the baby boomer types that that our people know, our demographic knows, we have kind of mined a little gold mine of people that we are really happy to bring on. Um, in one year, we interviewed both Anson Williams and Marion Ross from Happy Days. Wow. So that was that was kind of fun. To, to talk with both of them. And it was interesting that uh, Anson Williams was very, very politically correct and said, you know, everything was wonderful and just couldn't have been better. And they were the most loving family ever. And Marion Ross came on and said, well, not always. <laughs> <laughs> well, you so know, we gotta... <laughs> Marion Ross is a Scorpio. Ah. Which she would kind of be looking at the other side of it a bit. Yeah. So that makes sense. That makes sense. And she she talked about a couple, you know, minor ruffled feathers. And I thought, well, now we didn't get that from Anson Williams. No. So we got a little, you know, better perspective from her about, you know, behind what was going on behind the scenes. And it wasn't at all terrible. It was it was just uh, the ascendancy of the Fonz and yes. how the, the show was, you know, eventually kind of circling right around him. Yeah. But, you know, we... Even last year, we, we had a chance to interview Jerry Mathers, Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> and that was a hoot. That was an I absolute bet. hoot. I mean, yeah. he, he really has made it. Um, uh, it, it he's, he's so much like his character, you know, even as an adult. He really seems to be, you know. And I think he's probably always kind of maintained that persona a bit, you know. So who knows what he's really like behind closed doors, but. Yeah. There would be people who would know. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we um, we also uh, interviewed a um, a man named uh, uh, Hank Garrett. Why don't you say a little bit about Hank? Oh, what Hank. a fascinating man! And we intend to talk to him again. We haven't even covered his movie career. Hank Garrett is the sole surviving member of the cast of Car Fifty Four. Where are you? <laughs> He's the the last of that tribe. <laughs> And he tells these fascinating stories. He actually lied about his age so that he could get ahead in the world when he grew up in Harlem, desperately poor, and yet wanted to make something of himself. He had that, that fire in the belly. So he was told, as Suzanne likes to mention, you should be telling this part, but he was told by no less a personage than Sammy Davis Jr. 
when he was doing some work around a club to make some money, be around show business. And he was a tough kid from the streets and it showed. Sammy Davis Jr. told him, one of two things is going to happen to you at this rate, kid. You're either going to end up in prison or dead. Wow. So you figure out what you're going to do with your life because you're going down a bad road. Right. And he took Mr. Davis quite seriously. And he decided to take show business itself seriously as a career aspiration. And he made it work on a number of fronts there at the age. I think he was hired at something like, well, his actual age was 17, if I recall correctly, very young at any rate, when he was cast as Officer Ed Nicholson, a muscle-bound, vain cop in this particular precinct and became a part of the Car 54 family. Afterward, he was on various TV shows. He he has met Hank Garrett is the long-suffering chief of detectives who was Columbo's boss. Oh, wow. Okay. So wow. he got to work with Peter Falk and, and all of these wonderful guest stars, of course. So he got that kind of break. It was a wonderful thing. He also was in a number of, of movies. He was in a very famous fist fight in one of the climactic scenes of uh, Three Days of the Condor, where he actually quite inadvertently broke Robert Redford's nose <laughs> in, in this famous fight. Watch out. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. this was some great stuff. And because he was such a physical guy and he was a bodybuilder, with a, he looked great, his physique there. So he wound up spending quite a few years on the professional wrestling circuit as oh, well. That was, the guys lived a full life. Sounds like. <laughs> and he's still around, right? He is and still he around. He's still around. And, you know, he's getting up there in years. But, you know, what we have found with a number of our guests, and including the ones who are octogenarians, is that they have lived these interesting lives. And if they don't either tell the stories or get them written down in a book, they pass along with them. And Mm -hmm. so we're kind of mining all of these wonderful stories from people who have lived kind of extraordinary lives. Right. And his, his life ended up being quite extraordinary from the standpoint of how incredibly, incredibly desperately poor they, they were. I mean, days with no meals on the table yeah. and, and how he, you know, made something of himself from, from being so incredibly dirt poor. Wow. And, and so, you know, these are, these are great stories. These are inspiring stories for people. Oh, I'd look, And I'd love we to remember look seeing chart. them on TV. Yeah. 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 I'd love to look at his chart. That'd be kind of interesting because it would probably show, one way going one way when he was a child and at some point there was a shift you know where he he obviously when he met sammy davis sammy davis made a huge impression on him obviously oh yeah yeah he was only uh pre-teen or early teens okay you know really young and um but uh, the information on his birth date is not accurate he says on the internet because he lied about his age oh (laughs) so we had to we had to get the real story of his age out of him yeah. because he said it, it isn't accurately anywhere on the internet that you can find because okay. he kept trying to make himself okay, older so I won't than go he looking was. For it then. No, okay. I'm afraid it would be frustrating. It, it, it wouldn't be the right thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that that's just kind of been an interesting turn. We still do a lot of people who, you know, are looking at how to make their life good while they're here in the body and then what happens to us when we die. Yeah. And so we, we still do a lot of other side kinds of things, mediumship and 
and psychics and such. Yeah. Suzanne and I will have conversations usually over our breakfast coffee about what are we going to do this week? What are we going to do in, a, in two weeks or a month ahead? And what I'm finding in 2020, 20, certainly 20 times three twenties, that's like 60, <laughs> 2020 and now 2021, particularly after January 6th of this year, yeah. I'm finding that in my mind anyway, you might take have your own take on this, Suzanne, but it seems to me that people in talk radio do not have the luxury of talking about lighter or perhaps even frivolous topics. Is your cat psychic? <laughs> that kind of thing just doesn't work when the structure of our government and the way that violence, prejudice, bigotry, hyper-partisanship have infected the body politic. I don't believe that on Manson Mitchell, we can set that aside even for more than a week yeah. with all of this going on without having to attune to what's going on because it's that central to our lives in this generation as yeah. Americans. Yeah. You know, we have old uh, DT, the thing. Is it delirium, delirium tremens? No. Yeah. Anyway, um, we have him to thank for that. And unfortunately, um, we I think the thing that sort of happened over the last four years is that we really went and visited our dark sides when we went down with him, you know. And uh, it's, it's that we're finally coming out of it. And I think we have a really good president in office. I'm just saying that that's a, that's a personal opinion, of course. But um, we had to go the other extreme. We had to. Otherwise, things would have been really bad. I don't think the former president popped out of nowhere to get elected. Oh, I don't either. From, from everything that I have read or seen on TV, it seems like this train was coming down the tracks for a long time now. And things were shifting such that it allowed that presidency to occur. It actually reflected where we were. Right. And the, with the election of um, Joe Biden, I, I think that there may be a bit of a wake up call because he won that election by so many votes. Yeah. That, you know, I'm hoping that there is at least a little bit of a wake up in people's consciousness about how they want us to be as a country going forward. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that, that, that uh, President Biden himself is um, such a sweet and sensitive person. Mm -hmm. And he's had to deal with all of these mass shootings right. in the last few months. So it isn't as though, you know, everybody is suddenly sweet and kind because he is. No, I mean, we're living in some very violent times here. And when we were watching something on the news the other day, they were saying that, um, you know, the most dangerous countries are like Colombia and Mexico. Right. But when you look at the industrialized nations, mm -mm. we're right up there. Yeah, we are. Yeah. You're right. People fear to travel here now. Yes, they do. <laughs> and they should. Yeah. Now, yeah. here's the thing, and this is at least in terms of the election itself, it's mind-boggling to me. Now, Joe Biden, for whom Suzanne and I voted, won by somewhat in excess of 7 million votes, but essentially 7 million votes. Big right. number. Right. Hold on, folks. 
over 74 million registered voters in this country. I'm not talking about fraud. I'm talking about legally cast votes. Yeah. 74 million people said, Donald Trump, we'll have four more years, please. Yeah, right. What could you be thinking? Yes, really. What yeah. is it? What what nerve are you working that you think that four more years of what we experienced is the ideal thing for this nation? That's right. I don't get that. I don't either. And because because we don't know that, I'm going to take a break right now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, that'll break it up. And so we'll figure that out and we'll come back and we'll talk about that some more. OK, OK. All right. This is the Jupiter Rising show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And this is a live read for Barrel Full of Monkeys by Matt Shea. Barrel Full, full I can't say that. Barrel Full of Monkeys Productions with Matt Shea. He has started a new venture, the Barrel Full of Monkeys Productions, which will be a collection of Matt's writings in mini audiobook form. Our first book is out now and only $5. And you can order that at mattsheabooks.net. And now, guess what, kids? The second book is out as of today. Yahoo! So anyway, you want to do a thing there? Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Anyway, so we're very excited. Matt just instant messaged me before I got up here, and he said it is on the site right now, and you can order it. Yay. And so we're very excited. Anyway, and also you can get one of his books, which is called The Meadowdale Community Project. It's a real winner. So Matt would love to hear from you and promises to answer any or all who contact him. You can write to him at his personal email address at workinmat 7 at AOL.com. And don't forget his website, www.mattsheabooks.net. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Carl Petrie, author of Absent Witness, sharing more stories from his career as a filmmaker and psychic investigator. On Saturday, Sharon Lynn Wyeth tells us how to connect with people in a transactional world simply by understanding how the letters in their name reveal who they are. Bringing you mastery and mystery, one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. Our guests this morning are Manson Mitchell from the previous show. We had to do a two-hour two show today. It's pretty fun. So welcome back, Gary and, and uh, Suzanne. <laughs> Why, thank you so much. I like the way you intersperse your breaks. They call it being interstitial there <laughs> in the radio world. You do that very nicely, seamlessly. I try. You know, you're supposed we to. We do it shamelessly. Well, you have different bricks than I do, but I kind of yes. like yours better because they're less, you know, but yeah, yeah, every, every quarter of an hour, and then we have to, in, you know, throw in some ads in there, too. So, yeah, it's Gotta pretty cool. Got to pay the bills. Yeah. So, anyway, we're really excited for Matt about his latest book. It's out right now, so we're very excited. And I wrote Matt's it. Matt's a good guy. You know, you and I have to thank you publicly. You brought Matt Shea into our awareness, and he was so kind in his remarks about our show and upon your recommendation, Suzanne and I booked him, and I've used him 
oh gosh, four or five times now, I forget, on another show that I host on Friday afternoons called right. American Road Trip Talk. And he is just a fun, a trove, a fountain of information that gives a homespun spin on the life we live as Americans. He just Absolutely. has this way about him that's very ingratiating. Yes, he does. And, you know, he's on our show every couple of months. And he's always talking about you guys. But, um, yeah, he's we have a fun time with it. You know, we have on our, you know, our our, our group of people that do the readings for Barrel Full of Monkeys. Mary Beckman has just joined up. Of course, you know her. And then yes. me and then and then um, Matt and then also Kevin McDonald. So and so it's a, a fun little group that we have there. So, yeah, we have a lot of fun. So. Anyway, let's get back to what we were talking about. Um, the subject matter that you talk about on your on your show has changed radically since I met you, you know, and it's um, actually you becoming a little bit more down home, quite honestly, you know, and I think that's kind of what I've done a little bit with my show as well, but you, you've probably done it a little bit more than I have, given the, the guests that you have on. It's pretty awesome. So, um so why don't you tell us one of those stories that one of those celebrities told you? Because it would be kind of hear, fun to hear one of those. <laughs> and here's <laughs> Suzanne's extending her hand like, and here's Gary to tell you that, yes, and here's out of all the stories possible, he has one for you right now. Yes, there okay. he is. Okay. <laughs> well, Step speaking up. of Marion Ross, okay. I will say, this is what I like to tell. Marion Ross told us off air that, I think it was off air. If it was on air, you're welcome. But it seems to me it was like during a break. I could be wrong about that. At any rate, the lovely Marion Ross told Mrs. C told yeah. us that one time in her dressing room, she was visited by a disconsolate Ron Howard, who after all was Opie. Yes. Opie Taylor and famous thereby. Yeah. And the original concept of Happy Days was that it was going to be an ensemble cast and he was going to be the central figure because he was already so well known to the American audience. And so he was going to be Richie Cunningham. Along comes this dynamic character who with some tweaking and the replacement of a nylon jacket with a leather jacket and bring in a motorbike. And here you have the Fonz. Yeah. So the central character became Arthur Fonzarelli. And that just moved everyone yeah. to the margins of that show. Pretty Though much they had did. their roles to play, obviously. Yeah. But the central figure was going to be the Fonz. That became quickly apparent. That had a very harsh effect on it harsh ron howard's mellow shall we say and yeah. he was pretty disconsolate one time when he got talking about this wow i don't i don't feel like it's even my show anymore i, I feel like i don't belong here or some right. such words right. to that effect there and marion ross spoke to him almost like uh in a maternal way really like mrs c would she said you just do this show and do the best you can you can't control any of that Mm -hmm. This is what it is, and we are succeeding, and we're all in this together. So you put that out of your mind, and you just focus on what is yours to do here. Mm -hmm. And he took her advice. The show was a smash hit. Of course. Went on for years and years. And ultimately, life worked out. Ron Howard goes on to become a major Hollywood director. Yes. And as a result, you have to take the long view of things. And I really took that from what she said. Whatever's going on at the moment isn't the entirety of your life. It would be very few circumstances that could define your life 
in such a way as to not allow you the means of growing from the experience. Life is compassionate that way for the most part. Absolutely. And I was just thinking that possibly that that day that he talked to or she talked to him about basically he was saying, I really want more time. I was supposed to be the, the central character, and now I'm not. And, you know, it's the ego thing standing out. I hate to say it. But Ron, Ron Howard was a Pisces, is a Pisces, and he's extremely char- not charismatic. I mean, yes, he is, but he had an incredible compassionate side. And I think that probably that little talk that he had with Marion probably changed his whole way of thinking. So that he needed to share the spotlight, not just hog it all, you know. And um, and of course he went on, and you hear stories about his directorial time in various various productions that he's done. That he's been very selfless, you know, and does the thing the best good for the picture, not for himself. So, and being a Pisces, that's what you're here to learn about, you know. And maybe that was some advice he really took to heart. Oh, yeah. And it really was personal for him because the more he tried to do something because he was the wonderful star, that would be counterproductive in his soul. It'd have to be the other way around. So Very interesting. Yeah. 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 I have a question for you. Here I am pinwheeling around this, this microphone. Not it's not my show, <laughs> damn it. And yet I have a question because I'll oh, go this ahead up. and ask him. <laughs> In the opening segment, Eileen was bringing this up. So I, this is my opportunity to ask you. Let's go back to the summer of 1981, Eileen. Oh, God. Suzanne, okay. Okay. I'm sure. remembering. I'm remembering. Okay. All right. Summer I remember. of 81. I remember getting up very early and watching the magnificent royal wedding yes. of Prince Charles yeah. and Lady Diana, soon to be Princess That's Diana. Right. Yeah. When you watched that unfold, and at the time I was still in my 20s and far more naive than I should have been about people and world events, I admit, I had to outgrow a lot of that. But even then, when I was watching it, I had to battle this feeling of cynicism about that union. I watched it unfold. Quite a lot of pageantry, as you'll recall. Of course, yes. But when I watched it, I thought, these two, and I'm sure they're going to have children. Um, I don't know. It just it just seems like it's a little too good to be true. Right. A little too much of a fairy tale. Yeah. Subsequent events bore that out. Right. But when you were watching that wedding, and Suzanne, when you were watching it, how did you feel that day? Do you remember feelings welling up? Um, I'm trying to remember. I think I watched it. I that was so so long ago. But one thing I noticed, and this is one thing that kind of struck me, was when she got out of the little thing that took her to the place where she was getting married, the cortege thing she got out of. She got out of this thing and her gown was so wrinkled. And I went, "Oh, that's something that got my attention. It was an unusual thing that got my attention." I said, you know what? That's telling me a lot about the way her marriage is going to be. It's going to be very wrinkled. Top bunch of wrinkles in it, stuff that's going wrong, you know. And, you know, the difference between their ages was significant. Her values were different than his. He was born a completely a different generation than she was. So they value different things, you know. And, um, you know, but... But and this is after I got into this. That was before I got into astrology, thinking that. But after I got into astrology, I looked at their charts and I looked at her chart and I said, 
she was meant to marry into that family and provide the heir and the spare. Okay, she was meant to do that. And it seemed like that her, her chart said that she wouldn't be here that long. She would do that and that would be it. That's what I sort of saw in the chart. I can remember watching that wedding and also the events leading up to it. Uh, I remember the uh, when she was doing her uh, school teacher thing. Yeah. And and she had a, a picture taken of her without a slip. Yeah, and, yeah I remember that one. <laughs> excuse me. And I remember that. And I when I saw the wedding, I said to myself, she's too young. She's too naive to yeah. be getting into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was the thought that I had at yeah. the time because they were not a match as far as, you know, age, they right. weren't like salt and pepper shakers. Yeah. As you might imagine, she was her, the age difference between the two of them really kind of struck me. It did. And it also it's the, like, she has not had enough experience in this world no. to be getting in this marriage. Well, it sort of reminds me of Meghan Markle. She went through a whole culture shock when she got into the Royal family, the firm. And so, well, obviously Diana did too. And, right. um, I think I was looking at Diana's chart and also Megan's chart one time. There's a lot of similarities in those two charts. And both of them have to do with Uranus, the planet Uranus. And Uranus is the rebel that's going to try to break away from old structures, you know, out of the the firm as the old structure, obviously, within the royal family. And then for her to literally, uh, Diana was so... She was very manic depressive, you know, and also by the bipolar manic depressive and that showed in her chart. But um, she was very nervous and extremely not centered at all and very flighty, you know, and she was somebody who was used to having her life in a certain way. And bam, she got thrown in the middle of that horrible. I can imagine if you're used to having things relatively unstructured when you grew up, this would be such a shock to the system to being having to account for every moment in your day and what you have to do. And you have to follow all the rules, you know, following she, she, rules yeah. was not her idea of fun. She looked like a free spirit as a, yes, as a young was. girl. She looked like a, a, a bird, yes. you know, a very free, free flying bird. Yeah. And then um, to be put into that particular cage, I think was just too it's much, too much for, her. you know, she had yeah. moon and Aquarius that's ruled by Uranus, and I believe it was opposing Uranus in Leo. So it was a double emphasis on that. So that's the nervy stuff that she just couldn't get rid of. And um, then you look at Megan's chart. Megan had, she was a Leo, but she also had stationary Uranus in her chart. It's like, oh, it's all fitting, kids. And she's repeating the stuff that Diana did. You know, literally, it's almost word for word, literally, literally the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, let me tell you something. When people do not deal with the present, they have to repeat it. They do. Because if the stuff that was happening when Diana broke away from the royal family, and in the end she lost her life because of it, um, nobody learned from that. They didn't understand why it happened, just thought she was just a fruitcake. And now here comes the second one, Megan Marple, and she's uh, kind of echoing the same stuff. 
she actually helped Harry get out of that family. I think that's very interesting. I think that's something that she would have, I think that Diana would have loved to have done with Charles, get him out of the family. You know, uh, I wonder about this um, as well from other guests that we've had on our radio show. I, I'm always curious about when we're born into a certain family and repeating yes. the family dynamics generation to generation. Yes. When, um, when um, Gary and I interview people that talk about, uh, you know, reincarnation, the other side, the ancestors, yes. the, the, the very, very, very first time ever, ever I can remember a medium saying to me, who is Henry? And I said, Henry, hmm. I said, I, I have a great grandfather, Henry, but mm-hmm. he died, you know, before I was born. She said, that doesn't make a difference. He's in your family lineage right. and he's here. Right. And, and so this idea that there are generations that are maybe on the other side of the veil who are still somehow connected with mm-hmm. you, it makes me wonder about how many things that we are repeating that have to do with family dynamics. Mm-hmm. Probably Did, you know, all of it. Probably all of them. And, and I am level. curious about that because then that means that that whatever choice we are making to incarnate with a family right. is for a very specific purpose yes. of working something out. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yes. Let me come back to that. I've got to take a break really quick because you bring up a really good point. And I've often noticed that a lot in charts, too. Okay, so when we get back, we're going to talk some more with Manson Mitchell. This is the Jupiter Rising show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And this is a live read for Susan Bergstrom of the Medicare Exchange. Susan Bergstrom is a licensed agent in Washington and Oregon, helping people obtain security in their lives by providing insurance that pays for final expenses and money for transitioning after a loved one dies. Retirement consists of a lot of moving parts. She will help you with Medicare plans that best suit your needs. Medicare is not only state-specific, but it's also county-specific. Having a lot of opportunities, she will help you narrow down your choices to one that is suitable to your health and financial needs. This includes Advantage plans, supplements, and prescription drug plans. Seniors can rely on Susan to help obtain financial security through many programs that protect seniors from market downturns and guarantee a competitive rate of return with no downside risks. Susan also will educate you on long-term care. This is an area many people do not plan for in retirement. Early early planning can protect your assets and provide dignity in your later years. Susan enjoys working with people and has partnered with the Medicare Exchange located in Tacoma and Linwood, Linwood, Washington. You can talk freely about your situation and you will know that Susan will work to make you feel comfortable in all the decisions that need to be made. Whoops, I got it. Whoops, I don't have this. Okay. Anyway, to contact her, I found it. I have to contact her. You can contact her at 253-318-9379 or by email at sbergstrom at americanseniorbenefits.com. 
Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com. And welcome back to Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW. We are here with Mr. Mance and Mr. Miss Mitchell. Not Mr. Mitchell. Anyway, welcome Surprised. back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. A sex change operated. Anyway, <laughs> anyway uh, we were just talking about family history. And it seems as though, um, you know, somebody like Meghan Markle and Diana, where even though it skipped a generation, it, it basically was a carbon copy to me, uh, largely what Diana did, what Mark, Megan is working on now. So it tell, I was just going to say, just before we went to the break, it always seems that an unfinished issue comes back to haunt us if we haven't dealt with it yet. And that has to do with families as well as individuals. So if you have a family issue of, you know, not treating people equally, which is probably the big thing. I know that Diana didn't feel like she was treated equally within that family. And I know that Megan didn't either. So um, it's it's sort of like stepping away from that family had to have been one of the hardest things they would have had to do. But they had to do it for their survival and their sanity. So that's what I think. You know, I think that Charles and Camilla make a nice couple. Yes, I. When I look at those, you know, when I he wasn't going for youth, he wasn't going for glamour mm-hmm. at that point. There, but he and Camilla, and I think this is pretty generally understood, get each other. Yes, it's they do. It's wonderful to be with someone who gets you, and hopefully, vice mm-hmm. versa. I think that's a lot of the continuing spark yeah. between Suzanne and myself. You know, I look at her as somebody, I get where you're coming from and I know that she gets me and that has sustained us for yeah. very nearly 20 years, 20 years come the end of September. And we look back it. on all that time and we just, we're amazed at all the things that we have gone through, the things that we've survived and also the things that we have thoroughly enjoyed because each of us was there to enjoy it together. It seems to me you should be up here for your 20th anniversary. No, I'm not arguing. Seems to me. I'd love to. Yes. I'm, I'm champing at the bit because I understand about the pandemic. And, and if anything, especially with Suzanne's influence under our roof, we've been hyper vigilant yeah. about this. I got the J&J under the wire a week ago today. Yeah. I got the one and done. I do not regret it. Okay. I feel very badly for the uh, women who were uh, afflicted and yeah. one, of, uh, one of them died. This oh. is tragic there. But I feel like I made the right choice for me. And now we will see how that goes. But yeah. when we get to a certain point in the year, we're going to want to come back there. I've made uh, threats to you recently there uh, Eileen that we want to get up there do a show with you have a bit of an extravaganza with some of our favorite yeah, people right no that's then, not a threat I don't take uh, that as threatening <laughs> okay <laughs> glad to hear that there, and to just go and enjoy Puget Sound oh, this is yeah. my, uh, yet another opportunity for me to say that I regard Seattle and environs as my spiritual homeland of I'm here course. in Sarasota it has a lot going for it starting with the sunshine in winter yeah but also there is Seattle always on my mind. It's it's just a very special place on this planet. And I'm so grateful for the 20 plus years I had there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I you know, when I first met you guys, um, I thought, oh, these guys are indigenous to here. I felt that they were nat- you were natural Washington people. And I found out that you weren't. And then you went to Sarasota. And that was really a surprise. 
you know, and but I kept thinking, I, I know that they still hanker to be up here. I do, you know, and so hankering. That's yeah, so word. I think that, and does this not go to geomancy, if I have the right term, where you can look if you have the right tools, someone like yourself, Eileen, can look for yourself or someone else and say, here's where you really resonate. If you want to prosper, if you want to be yeah. happy, you might try moving there. Yes, that's right. And as I recall, I looked at your astral cartography. Geomancy is a different term, I think. But um, as, as, as far as it goes, I think... You had the Neptune line running right through the middle of the state. Okay, this state. You're going right over the Cascade Mountains. So Neptune, it, either side of a line, like a quarter or to a half an inch, is going to influence it. A little further than that, it won't be felt. So, yes, it's close enough to Seattle that you would have felt it. You know, And Neptune is the spiritual planet, so there you go. So you would have felt very very special a place for you to be you know like i have neptune going right through the middle of my state except it's over on eastern washington it goes right through ellensburg where i got my music degree and and neptune rules music isn't that interesting isn't that wild it's so weird but you know um i when i went there i i feel such so spiritually connected to ellensburg it's unbelievable i'm hankering to go back there really bad you know, or go to the Ganges River down by the, you know, the river. Oh, oh, my gosh. That just it just does it for me all over the place. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, place. Got to be in your right place. Yeah, it, it really does help. And and we usually know if we're under a planetary line, we can feel the energy go through, going through us physically. So, uh, yes, it's very true. You can. You know, especially a planet like Uranus, you can definitely feel it feels like an electrical charge going through your body so yeah pretty cool bottom line for me is don't stay stuck folks call up an eileen grimes Uh, whatever tools you need to resort to don't allow yourself to be stuck because even if we reincarnate five hundred thousand times whatever it is you get one lifetime at a time and i'm in favor of not wasting any of them yes me too so anyway how do we get a hold of you guys Best place is the website, manceandmitchell.com. That's right. Yes. Okay. How much time we got there? We got two minutes. So we have maybe a minute or so we can talk a little bit, and then I'm going to talk about who's on next week. So let's sum up here. So what did we learn today, kids? <laughs> <laughs> if you're not the Fonz, don't give up on life. That's right. That's what yeah. I learned. Yeah, the Fonz. I have a question. I need to check in with you here in this last minute, though, very quickly uh, yeah. to segue here. How about the metaphysical communities? Are they still healthy in Puget Sound? Are people uh, getting ready to gather again? It's been tough the last year. Yeah, they've been kind of in and out, in and out. And I think like Lou's group right now isn't meeting, I don't think. I have to check her page on Facebook. But um, I basically removed myself from most of those book groups because I just felt like going alone. You know, I really did. So... It was cool for me. So, but you know, who knows? It could happen. It could open, you know, here sooner or later. So, anyway, I got to say goodbye to you guys. It was wonderful. Always a pleasure. Fantastic. Two good hours today. That's right. And next week, don't forget, we have on fantastic Michael, what's his name? Michael Seapress. Thank you very much. My brain's in another place. Michael Seapress is going to be on the show live, and he's going to play some of his music. We're going to have a great time. Okay. 
So anyway, talk to us next week. Listen to us. Listen to Manson Mitchell before us, for sure. And Mitch, and listen to uh, Psychic Spectrum after us. This is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. Thank you.